Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. Are you the kind of person that says to your Heavenly Father, Father, not my will, but yours be done? Or are you the kind of person that says, Father, not your will, but mine be done? Let's open to Luke 22 and see how our Lord Jesus answered this question. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another teaching. It's November 23rd. It's the uh, the week of Thanksgiving here in America. Uh, we celebrate Thanksgiving in America here every year uh, on the fourth Thursday of November. Um, I'm not sure which other countries, if you're listening in a different country, um, if y'all have a, a Thanksgiving holiday. But, you know, we have a day that we set aside, a holiday that we set aside in America called Thanksgiving. And, you know, for many people, even most Christians, it really has become a time just where we get together with friends and family. And, uh, you know, we have just wonderful times of, of, uh, of community and where we eat together and where we just share life together. Obviously, Thanksgiving should be much, much more than that. You know, what are we thankful for? And once again, obviously, the thing that we're most thankful for is Jesus. We're thankful for the fact that Jesus has come and he gave his life for us. He died on the cross for us, that he is alive and risen. And because of Jesus, we now have relationship with God. God is our father. In Jesus Christ our Lord. If we have received Jesus Christ as our Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. It's not comprehensible. We cannot comprehend how much thanksgiving we ought to have for God our Father, for God the Son Jesus Christ, and for God the Holy Spirit. Um, our lives ought to be one marked by thanksgiving. And so, yeah, today is uh, Monday, the, the 23rd. Uh, Thanksgiving is this Thursday, the 26th. And so happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Today we are going to discuss Luke 22, verses 39 to 53. We're going to go ahead and pray, and we'll invite the Lord into our time, and then we'll get right into it. Well, Lord Jesus, we do thank you, Lord. We thank you for this, uh, this week of thanksgiving. And Lord, we do thank you and praise you and worship you and love you, Lord. Lord, we ask you to help us uh, as, as Christians to have thankful hearts. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be thankful about all the many, many blessings in our lives, Lord. Spiritual, physical, emotional, financial, relational blessings. Father, we just thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for just all the incredible blessings you've given us in every aspect of our lives. But above all, Father, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and God and King. 
Holy Spirit, we invite you into this time now. We ask you to lead us and guide us as we open the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Luke 22, verse 39 through 53. Jesus went out, as usual, to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, Pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down, and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him, but Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Incredible scriptures here. This is the time where, where Jesus is taken into custody. And we just see this, uh, this incredible scene before us. It says, Jesus, verse 39, went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. Verse 40, on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. It says that, that this was a usual place for him to go. Jesus had a usual place to go, a usual place where he would go and, and he would pray. And it says here that in verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, which could be about 60 steps or so, knelt down and prayed. I had told the guys, I don't know if it was three or four months ago, all of them actually in our ministry have, have very young children, um, children that are just been born or one, two, three, four, five years old. And I had exhorted them that every night with your children, get down on your knees and fold your hands and pray and pray to Jesus with your children and let them see you doing this and let this be a habit that you do with them until, you know, whatever age, until they're in, say, fourth grade or fifth grade. But as young children, impress on them the importance of prayer, but more than that, uh, the importance of kneeling down. 
Why do we kneel down when we prayed? It says that Jesus, now remember who Jesus is. Jesus is God, Hannah, right? Full-blown God. Now, when he became a human man, he put a portion of his divine nature, his divinity on the shelf. And he walked this life uh, as a human man being led by the Holy Spirit of God. He didn't completely abandon his divinity, but he put some of it on the shelf so as to know what it's like to live life as a human being. And in his human nature, it says he knelt down and prayed. It's important to understand in his divine nature, Jesus is God. He does not kneel down and pray, right? He is full-blown all-powerful, all-knowing God Almighty. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all God. But as a human man, and uh, for us as men and women, it will do us well to kneel down sometimes. It is a good habit to kneel while you're praying, to posture yourself in submission uh, while you're in prayer. Uh, C.S. Lewis said that, that as humans, we are animals and what our bodies do affect our soul. So make no mistake, God is most concerned with the posture of your heart. He is more concerned with the posture of your heart than he is the posture of your body. So you can pray everywhere and you should pray everywhere. You should pray in your car. You should pray at work. You should pray at home. You should pray at the office. You should pray at the playground. You should pray wherever you are, but, but every now and again, you know, make it a habit to, to be kneeling down when you pray, because when you kneel down and posture your physical body in a, in a posture of humility and submission before God almighty, before your heavenly father, before Jesus, that does help you in some way because it is helping you to posture your soul. Uh, in a position of humility before the Lord. And again, it says here very clearly in, in Luke twenty-two forty-one that he knelt down and prayed. And we're going to get into what he prayed, which is very interesting. But in verse 40, look what he says to, to the disciples. They followed him to the usual place where they went at the Mount of Olives. In verse 40, it says, on reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He has explained to them at the Last Supper the, the things that are going to happen. They were distressing things and that, that they have a difficult time coming to them. And he instructs them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Now, one of the first things that that we can't help but notice is that Jesus is telling them and he's telling you and he's telling me, Kristen, uh, to pray that we will not fall into temptation. Um, we have a difficult time with temptation. I don't do very well in temptation. You remember uh, Jesus when he was teaching the Lord's prayer um, and when he was teaching them to pray, part of that prayer is lead us not into temptation. And the reason we, we pray that is because we, we don't do very well. When, when we're tempted, Esther, you know, we don't, we don't do very well. We, we consistently 
have a difficult time in temptation. And temptation is everywhere in this world. And temptation takes on countless forms. Alan, you have been tempted in so many different ways, right? And when you're tempted, you don't do very well. Whatever the temptation is, right? We could have temptation uh, to our vanity. We can. There are worldly temptations everywhere. We have temptation to pride. Um, we have temptation to control, Hannah. Um, we can have temptation to fear. Um, we can have all kinds of temptations. But Jesus says here, pray that you will not fall into temptation. For most of us, we know what the areas of temptation that that kind of get us are. And so how much time do you spend praying? When you wake up in the morning, if you know that you have, if you could be tempted to, to pride, if you know that you consistently can be tempted to fear, if you know that you could be tempted uh, to be controlling, how much time do you spend in praying, you know, asking Jesus to help you? Lord, help me this day to, uh, to not fall uh, when I'm tempted to control and to always need to control. Um, Lord, Lord, help me today, Lord, to not fall into the, into the temptation to worry about finances and worry about money. Um, you know, Lord, help me today, Lord, not to fall into the temptation to, to just have um, concern over the future and what's going to be happening Whatever your temptation is, whatever the things in your life are, and then there are the fleshly temptations, right? That uh, that that countless Christians uh, struggle with. Um, if you struggle with fleshly temptations, then you want to ask the Lord, Lord, help me just to to keep my thoughts pure today. On reaching the place, he said to them, "Pray that you will not fall into temptation." And so let's let's make that to, to be a part of our devotional life, because uh, the, the amount of times that, that we struggle in our lives, it always starts with temptation, but we don't have to fall into it. How great it would be, you know, if we didn't fall. And apparently. Prayer helps. Jesus would not have instructed them and us to pray that you will not fall into temptation if it would not have been an immense benefit to them. Do you see that? On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Now he's kind of got a lot going on here, right? He's about to do the whole dying for the sins of the world thing. He's going off to a place where he's going to pray because he's got a lot going on. But, you notice that he'll stop and take the time to exhort his disciples in their walk. And he exhorts them on how they could help themselves. And that is to pray that you will not fall into temptation. What I'm saying here is, is uh, you would think he would just be concerned about himself. But he, he still has concern uh, for his disciples, even when he himself is about to take on the sin of the whole world, Nathan. Okay. And, and we'll never know what that is. Okay. It says he, you know, in verse um, 44, 
and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground as he was going to become sin, take on the sin of the whole world, pay the debt for the sin of the whole world. And in so doing, he would be separated from God the Father for the first time in eternity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all three, but they're all one, right? They all have, they, they are the meaning of relationship, the meaning of unity, where that had never, ever been broken. But when Jesus becomes sin, that unity will have been broken. You remember he says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And because when Jesus became sin, that connection, that relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, that, that incredible intimacy and unity that the, the Holy Trinity had for all eternity was broken. And that's what Jesus did for you and for me. And that's what we'll never know what it was like for the Father and for the Holy Spirit to lose that intimacy, that, that threefold cord, that connection. Golly, Lord Jesus. Wow. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond, knelt down and prayed. Verse 42, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. That's verse 42 of Luke 22. And the ramifications of that are overwhelming. Christianity is not Christianity without Luke twenty-two forty-two. What is Jesus saying here when he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. What he's saying is, Father, I don't want to do this. I don't want to become sin. I don't want to take on the sin of the world. I don't want our relationship to be fractured even for an instant. Jesus fully well knows the ramifications of what it will mean when he becomes sin, that the father will not be able to look on sin. The Holy Spirit will not be able to look on sin in every other aspect of it. Right. And he knows that God the Father can do anything. Do you know that Jesus can do anything, that your heavenly Father can do anything, that the Holy Spirit can do anything? In the other gospel, it says, Father, all things are possible for you. Here, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Jesus is saying, Father, you could redeem the world in a million different ways. You can invent innumerable ways to redeem the world. And, and he, Jesus is saying to God the Father that he does not want to do this. He does not want to go through with this. And then the famous words that, that all of us need to learn. And, uh, and I've said this many a time. And, and, uh, and, I, and, and it's, I don't know, it's just still who I am. I am not a thy will be done man. But I would like to grow to be a man that says, yet not my will, but Father, thy will be done. Frankly, Wendy, I am a my will be done man. My life still is at a place where I will seemingly more consistently say, Father, 
not thy will, but mine be done. And, 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 and I, and I need to grow up. I need to, uh, I need to grow up, May, my beautiful wife. Cause, uh, it's just hard for me to be a thy will be done man. I am, I am, uh, growing in it. I was talking to, uh, to Steven, my IT guy and, uh, you know, and, and all that goes into these things. And, uh, and I was just talking about an aspect of where I would like certain things to be different. And I, and I have submitted myself to, to a, to a process that sometimes can be, uh, difficult for me. And, uh, and, and we get things done, but I'm often able to do the, the will of God. Um, but man, I want to, uh, I want to do it with a, oftentimes with a, with a better heart. Um, when Jesus says, yet not my will, but yours be done, Kristen, Jesus is saying is what Jesus, when he says, yet not my will, he's saying, father, my will is that I don't want to do this. My will is that you take this cup from me, that you take from me this cup of sin that you're asking me to drink that you take from me this cup of suffering, that you take from me the whole dying for the sin of the whole world thing. That's his will. But is it not the greatest attribute of sacrifice? Isn't it? What is sacrifice? Isn't it sacrifice, Levi, when we say, you know, when we do something for someone else that really we otherwise wouldn't want to do that we choose to to do things in a manner or in a way or whatever it is we're just going to do something that really we don't want to do is that not the very nature of sacrifice y'all and that's a good thing right when we uh you know obviously we have this example of jesus here who's going to go to the cross give his life become sin on behalf of you and on behalf of me as a sacrifice. He doesn't want to do it. But thankfully for the world, Jesus is not like me. Jesus is a not my will be done, Father, but yours be done. This phrase in verse 42 is undoubtedly the greatest evidence of Christian maturity. Hannah, one of many. Do you have this? How much do you have this in your life? To the extent that you're able to live in this is the extent of a certain aspect of your maturity as a Christian. How much do you have to have your way? How much do you like having your way? You like having your way, Kristen? You love it, don't you? Lauren, do you like having your way? Those are my children, Kristen and Lauren. And man, I... It, <laughs> I mean, for 25 years, they, they want their way 
24 hours a day, seven days, even when they're sleeping. I walk in their room and they'll, and they'll be, they'll be talking in their sleep. No dad, I want it this way. We like having our way. We truly are as Christians, father, we are my will be done men and women. And yet here we have this example from Jesus of what submission to the father is, right? Our lives are not our own. Our lives have been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ right here in Luke 22. I may only get to verse 46 today. I'm sorry. This is, uh, I mean, this is just so meaningful. It's so big. It's so thick. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. It's good for us to pray. It's good for us to ask our Heavenly Father for things. But ultimately, we don't know what's best for us. That's why when Jesus teaches us to pray, you remember uh, Matthew 6, uh, I believe it's 9 to 13. Actually, I'm sure it's 9 to 13. Um, he teaches us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then give us this day our daily bread. You notice before we start asking for things in that prayer, you know, in the prayer, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then it says, give us this day our daily bread. So you see here, Scott, you've asked your heavenly father for his will to be done in your life before you started asking for stuff. I want all kinds of stuff, right? I'm always praying and I want things, but in Jesus here wants something and he doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to go through with this. But what's more important than what we want is his will for our lives. It's just such a powerful, powerful concept, isn't it, Misty? It's amazing. Golly, Lord Jesus. Father, I do, I do ask you again to just to help us with this, Lord. I, uh, I feel like I'm only at the beginning of this walk, Father, of, of, of saying, yet not my will, Lord. And, uh, and Lord, as I've said already, uh, it seems like so much of my life, I really do want my way and my will, Lord. But I ask you to help me and help us one and all to more and more be like our Lord and Savior and King and God, Jesus. Help us to learn this concept, Father, little by little, to just begin to walk out this concept of saying, Father, not my will, but, but yours be done in, in every aspect of our lives. Verse 43, it says, An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. We cannot understand the humiliation of this statement, the condescension of Jesus. Jesus is full-blown God Almighty. Jesus in his divine nature created the angels. Jesus doesn't need help from anybody or anything. Again, remember, Jesus is full-blown God. And yet in his humanity, in his suffering, he allows himself to be strengthened from an angel. If he wanted to call on his divine nature, 
you know, he would not need any strengthening, right? But Jesus allows an angel to serve him here and to help him again, because he is in a place where he has, he has had to put his divinity on the shelf and he is having to suffer as a human man, having to become the sin of the world. The fact that it says, remember, verse 42, is uh, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. The answer seems to be immediate from God the Father. It doesn't say in verse 43 that God the Father appeared and said, uh, you got it, son. I'll take it. The answer is no. And it's verse 43, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. So there was a blessing, right? A blessing did come from the Father. A blessing came in the way of an angel strengthening him. And if you look at this principle here, it's pretty profound. Because so many times when we pray, and I don't know about y'all, it seems like the majority of my prayers don't get answered the way I would like them to be. And again, the very fact that I would like them to be answered the way I would like them to be answered shows that I'm not a thy will be done man. I'm a my will be done man. But Jesus does not get his prayer answered here. But what he does get, he doesn't get his prayer answered the way he wants it. But he does get his prayer answered. Uh, clearly the father says no, but here comes the blessing from an angel to strengthen him in what the father has called him to do. So uh, if we have eyes to see it, if y'all look at it here, there's this principle that when we pray, we may not get the answer that we're looking for. We may usually not get the answer we're looking for, but we will we will get an answer and we will receive a blessing. And that, that answer and that blessing may will be in, in the form to help us to do what our Father has called us to do. Y'all see that? Father's not going to take the cup from him. Jesus is going to need to go ahead with dying for the sin of the world. However, the Father does send an angel, does send help, does send an aid to help him to do what the Lord has called him to do. And if you and I will pray as Jesus has here, again, Jesus is kneeling down, he's praying, he's telling the Father what's on his heart. It's a relational prayer. He calls him, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. I'll say again, the answer may not be what you were wanting or I was wanting or what we were thinking, but the answer very well may be in the form of a blessing to help you walk out what the Lord has called you into or called you for. Thank you, Lord Jesus. It's very powerful, Esther. Thank you, Lord. Um, look at verse 44. In being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. What are y'all going through today? In being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. The, the deeper the difficulty, the harder your circumstances, the more earnestly you ought to be praying. You see that? In being in anguish, again, he was becoming sin. He knew what was coming, not only physically, but spiritually. 
He knew what was coming. He knew the agony that was coming, not only in his physical body, but in his soul when he was going to be separated from God the Father when he had become sin. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. Once again, we see here a pattern from Jesus. And so what are you going through today? What are your difficulties today? What are your frustrations today? What are your situations today? The deeper the difficulty, the deeper the confusion, the more earnestly you and I ought to be praying. And we ought to be praying more earnestly. And then when you know other people that are going through difficulties, and we all know people who are going through tremendous difficulties, let's pray more earnestly for them as well as ourselves. So again, you see the principle, the more difficult the circumstances, the more difficult the, the more pronounced the suffering, the more earnestly ought we give ourselves to prayer. It says he prayed more earnestly, verse 44, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. There's a, there's a debate among scholars about this, whether they were, whether this was actual blood, whether his pores opened because the magnitude of the grief, the magnitude of becoming the sin of the world actually caused him to sweat drops of blood. And I forget what the medical term is. Uh, some of y'all may know it uh, for what this is. Um, whether sweat mixed with blood was coming out. Uh, blood is much thicker than sweat, right? But this was to the degree of the anguish. Some, some scholars believe it was actual blood. Some just believed it was the sweat was so substantial it was like sweating blood either way it doesn't much matter others have said that that this would have been the beginning of him shedding blood right if he was sweating out blood that would have been the beginning of him pouring out his blood for the forgiveness of your sins and mine wow golly our lord jesus knew anguish like we will never understand the Hebrew writer said that he had had to be, be like us in every way so that he might be a merciful high priest. Wow, Lord Jesus, we just worship you and praise you and thank you. Hmm. Do we see what Jesus has done for us here? All of this is what was necessary for the forgiveness of your sins and mine. Jesus did all of this, y'all, because we need him. Jesus did all of this to save us from our sin because we really need a savior. Every human being ever born for all time is sinful. We are corrupted with a sinful way, a sinful nature. We want our own way. All of us do. Is there a human being that wouldn't admit that deep down, I like what I like and I want what I want? At our core, we really are selfish. And there are many who, who do a lot of good things, but the Bible says we are sinful and we need a savior. And our only hope is Jesus Christ. And look what he went through for you and for me here. Do you know Jesus today? What am I asking? Have you prayed earnestly? Earnestly, Jesus prayed earnestly. Have you earnestly prayed and said, Lord Jesus, I, I do confess I am a sinful man or a sinful woman. Lord Jesus, I know that I've done wrong. 
all of my life and I and I confess it to you, Lord, that I'm a sinful person. And I, I ask you, Lord, now to come into my heart to save me from my sin, to be the Lord of my life and to bring me to heaven when I die. Jesus, I place all my hope and faith and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Have you called on the name of the Lord like that? Have you called on Jesus and put your trust and reliance and confidence in him alone to save you? Have you done that? That's how you become a Christian. There's nothing in this world that you do that can save you. None of your good takes away your bad. Of course we should do good and live for Jesus, but that doesn't save us. He did all of this so that everyone in the world, that whosoever will, would call on him and receive him as their Lord and Savior and that they would be forgiven of all their sin. They would come into relationship with God as their father and that you would go to heaven when you die. Have you received Jesus? Have you prayed earnestly that prayer to receive him? If not, just, just do it right now. Just do it right now. All of this Jesus went through. He didn't want to do it, but he, he did it anyway because it was the will of the Father. He made this tremendous sacrifice so that no one would perish. Lord, it just, just saying thank you doesn't seem enough, but we do thank you. Verse 45, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Verse 46, why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Sometimes I'd just rather go to sleep. It's too hard. You ever just get exhausted from sorrow, Tom? You know, Jesus has told you to pray that you won't fall into temptation. Right, Russ? Pray that you won't fall into temptation. But man, I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. There's just so much going on in life, right? You just feel like you just want to you just want to be unconscious. You just want to go to sleep. Going to bed is a good thing. Jesus is saying here that the time for prayer was more important than the time for sleep. I understand, right? They've just been rocked. They went to the Last Supper. He's told them all of these things. They don't even know what's about to come on them. And we're going to have to do verses 47 to 53 another time. When he rose from prayer, when he got off his knees, went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, and now he's going to minister to them again. He found him asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He would not have asked the question if they couldn't help it. The inference is that they could help it, but they just were like, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to sleep. Get up and pray. And there's your exhortation as you leave. That's verse 46 says, these are Jesus's words. Get up and pray. Wherever you are right now, get up and pray. Where are you at this moment, right now? Y'all get up and pray. Jesus said, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. How many temptations have I fallen in over and over and over and over because I don't want to. 
Let's get up and pray. When you wake up in the morning, get up. And the first thing you do, boom, start talking to Jesus. Start talking to your father. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Hmm. Get up and pray, Lauren. Get up and pray, Linz. Esther, get up and pray. Wherever you are, whoever you are, this is Jesus saying to you and saying to me, get up and pray. And he tells us in love, he'll let it, you know, he'll let us do, you know, we have a free will. But one of the biggest keys of our life, as you could see throughout these, what are they, seven verses, is that we have a lifestyle of prayer and it really does work. He gets up. He is, Jesus is now steadfast in his resolution that he has been told by the father he's going through with this and he's back ministering to his disciples. He tells them to get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The more we will pray, the more it will help us from whatever our temptations are. And again, there are countless ways. Temptation is something that's leading you into some type of sinful behavior. Perhaps you get tempted to gossip all the time. Perhaps you're always just needing to talk bad about somebody else. Get up and pray. As I said earlier, you know what your temptations are. You know the areas where you, where you don't do as you ought to do. Maybe you're tempted to bitterness. Maybe, maybe there's bitterness in your, you know, in your family or at work or somewhere. And you've just, people have not treated you well and you haven't been forgiving. Get up and pray. Whatever the temptation is in your life and mine today, let us take it to Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your mercy and goodness on our lives. We thank you for your favor and grace. Lord, we love you and we bless you today and we praise you. We thank you for the, the incredible sacrifice that we will never understand the fullness of that you've, you've blessed us with. Lord, we just honor you, we love you, and we praise you. We ask you to help us, Lord, to not just live lives like we're, even though we're awake, it's as if we're asleep, Lord. Help us, Lord, to grow in a lifestyle of prayer that we might not fall into the temptations and failings that we consistently have and I consistently have every day. Um, And Father, I ask you to help us, beginning with uh, my wife and I, and our children, Lord, I, uh, I ask you to help us, Father. Help us to, to, to begin to grow more and more, to be men and women that are willing to say, Father, not my will, but thine be done increasingly in every aspect of our lives. Lord Jesus, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. We thank you for the word of God. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. For more information about our ministry, 
please visit www.kingdomd.org.